Welcome to Accountant Is, a podcast about business, finance and accounting with me, Trish Roberts, and my co-hosts, Ewan Roberts and Emily Griffiths. All opinions expressed by Ewan, Trace and Emily, or any podcast guests, are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of William Stanton. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make any decisions. Hello and welcome to Account On Us. We didn't think we'd be here after our first test run, which you, the audience, may never hear again. But here we are. We've been given the go-ahead from the directors at Williams Denton, and this is our official episode number one. This all came about on a Friday morning. Me, Chris and Emily had a chat about how we could uh, put the name of Williams Denton out there more than just on a business card and to reach a wider audience than, than just North Wales. Not to say that, you know, we might not get past North Wales and our audience, but it's worth a go. Before we go further on our first episode, let us introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm Jan Roberts. I've been with the firm since August 2012, uh, when I started as a trainee uh, accountant. Actually, I was on work experience uh, in sixth form in June 2011, and was very lucky that the firm were looking for a trainee accountant when I left sixth form. In my time here, I've completed uh, the AAT, then I moved on to complete the uh, ACCA, uh, the Chartered Certified of Accountants qualification, uh, and now I'm in the middle of the Chartered Tax Advisor qualification, which has taken me longer than I thought it would, down to me more than uh, anybody else. In my spare time, you'll find me on the golf course or tracking the stock market um, and having interesting conversations about the stock market with Chris. I'm Emily and I've been at the firm about a year. I'm an ACCA trainee, so I'm currently doing my qualification to be chartered. I've got five exams left. I've passed one so far. In my spare time, you'll find me with my cats and a book usually. I've aimed to read 50 this year and I'm currently on 43. So hopefully we'll be able to get that done. And that's me. Hi, I'm Chris, and I've been with William Stenton since October 2021, so just over two years now. And I'm a trainee accountant, uh, studying towards my ECCA qualification. So I've got a couple of exams left. Hopefully I'll be done with that by October 2024. So time's going really fast, so that'll come around quite soon. In my spare time, I'm usually checking the stock market and chatting about it with you on. Or I'm in the gym, or I'm playing Xbox. But at the moment, my Xbox is hidden away under my bed while I'm studying for my ACCA tax exam. We all work for William Stenson, which is a firm of Chartered Certified Accountants, which was founded in 1926. We operate from Bangor and Llanidno with over 40 employees and we serve over a thousand clients. Our services include audit and assurance, preparation of accounts, tax returns and advice, VAT returns, cloud accounting, payroll and many other services. On our first episode, we bring to you a conversation we recently had with a company which we have become very familiar with at Williams Denson. Leonard Curtis are a company which specialise in funding, legal, restructuring and insolvency. Donna and Joanne from Leonard Curtis join us to discuss their experience during their time at the firm. Joining us today is Donna Crompton, who is Director in Charge of the Liverpool and Chester Operations as well as Joanne Tipper, who is a Senior Business Development Manager based in Chester. So I thought we'd start off with a simple question. Who and what do Leonard Curtis do? 
Uh, hi, I'm Joanne. Um, yeah, we basically, Leonard Curtis uh, recognises an insolvency practitioner. That means that we tend to look at solvent and insolvent liquidations, but alongside that we do class ourselves as business advisory, like you guys. Uh, we try to support businesses in any shape or form that we can. So invariably, we like to work with accountants, bookkeepers, uh, solicitors, other professionals in the field to build a relationship um, in the fact of your clients will tend to come through to you in the fact of if they're looking to grow and need access to finance, then we can support in that arena. We work with uh, about 200 uh, people out there in, in the industry looking at finance. But we also can look at businesses that, that perhaps need some support if they find themselves in any form of distress. And that's when, obviously, we will put them in touch with our insolvency arm as well. So I think you yeah. operate all over the UK. I saw yesterday that you opened a new Stoke office. We have. Yeah. Very yeah. excited. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. there's 24 now, 24 sites up and down the country. We are about to announce another offshore as well. So we're hoping to open up in Jersey. It's all ready to go. We're just waiting for the licences to be approved. Uh, and then there is rumour about Dubai. So, oh. yeah, mm. fingers crossed. I'll be putting my hat into the ring yeah. for that one. <laughs> Maybe we can do a podcast from Dubai uh, yeah. sometime next year. Joe, you don't need to be on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, so that is, yeah, we tend to, there is big opportunities out there. And each and every time that obviously we open an office, we, we do look at kind of, the professional network in and around there. It isn't that we just cherry pick an area and then think, oh, it'd be lovely to open there. We, there is a lot of work that goes behind it. And of course, we also struggle with finding the right people to fit our business. So it's got to be the fact of that, yes, we choose the location, but then we'll also make sure that we've got the right people to facilitate that office. So there is a, a need and desire in other areas of the UK, but it's just finding the right people to fit Leonard Curtis. Like with Williams Denton, we tend to introduce people from finishing university, yeah. finishing school. Mm. I think all three of us have been on a kind of a training contract. Yeah. I when I left school and, and these two when they left uh, university. Yeah. Is there a similar route that, that you guys use, like a, a training contract route? Do you have to go to university or is it something you can do straight from school, become an insolvency practitioner? Yeah, you can just come straight from school. We, are, um, we do actually employ a lot of graduates. So we, we tend to, we've got one in Liverpool who's just done a degree in law, which is, it's it's a lot of law and maths, really. So, you know, a lot of the people, say, from my era were sort of, like, qualified in um, accounts or... So it's accounts, you've got to be good at, you know, adding up, really, because you can't give advice or go and look at somebody's accounts if you don't. So that's always a good basis to be good at maths. And then you've got the, the law degree students... So, um, but anyone, you know, anyone can just, you know, get an interview for working for Leonard Curtis. And, you, you know, you can see past that and we always say, once you get into it, you know, you'll love it. It's so different. It's so... It's very diverse. It's diverse. It's, it's just are. a really lovely company to work for. And you can just pick up the phone and speak to somebody in Bristol up and give me a hand. You know, I'm not too sure about, have you come across this type of insolvency or... Yeah. Everyone's there to give you a hand, um, you know. We're doing a lot of work with sixth forms at the moment, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a graduate from university. We are looking for, again, the right fit for Leonard Curtis, and it's very much about growing our own. 
like mm. it is here at Williams Denton. I know that obviously, like you guys, you start off and then you nurture and you grow and then people become part of Lennon Curtis and the right fit for the team. Because it's, it's, it is like a family it culture. It is like a family culture, yeah. Yeah. I can honestly say that. It's just, yeah. It's, yeah. So, yeah, it sounds very similar to... Yeah. To, That's to, why to, we to like here, office, yeah. 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 Great togetherness. Everybody wants to help each other. Everybody yeah. wants to work hard for the team. Yeah. It's about doing play the right hard. thing for the team. Mm. Work and hard, play hard. Go out and then they make the right effort for the clients as well. Well, that's naturally how your business grows. Mm. It organically happens. So did Leonard Curtis grow organically then, or was there some acquisitions along the way? or um, Grown organically, really. So um, I worked in Liverpool. I've always worked in insolvency. Um, and then I decided to set up an office for Leonard Curtis. So my office came with me. Couldn't bear to be without me. So they came <laughs> along with me. So we became Leonard Curtis. I loved it from the minute I started. I absolutely adored it. Yeah, so it grew from there. Liverpool, that was 10 years ago. And then I thought, I had a really good idea. Let's set up an office in Chester. And, uh, oh, God, you don't realise how big the area is when you go. And that's how uh, me and Joe got together. We met up for a few events. And um, so that's how Liverpool and Chester came about. So, you know, Joe's been instrumental um, of working in Chester and all that. I couldn't have done it without her. But we do get on extremely well. So you have got to be a proper Lennon Curtis type of person, if you like. You know, people that are willing to, you know, put a lot of hard work in and you get looked after. And it, I love it. Honestly, 10 years has it's just gone by like that. She's been here 20. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the two. <laughs> but Lennon Curtis is an organisation. Mm, started off, was it 20, 26 years ago? Uh, 26 yeah. years yeah. ago, Andrew Poxon, who it is he established Leonard Curtis, was an IP with another IP in an accountancy firm and quickly realised that actually they weren't going to get business referrals from other accountants within that region. So they actually bought themselves out of the practice and they set up, they, they bought the Leonard Curtis name. Leonard Curtis existed in London, so they bought the Leonard Curtis name. They set themselves up in Bury, uh, so Andrew and a gentleman called John Titley. Um, yeah, and then the rest is history. Slowly but surely, they've just built up a very organically grown business. So there's 270 employees now, 24 offices, but it's not just all about the insolvency. There is also the commercial finance. We've got our own law team. Um, we've got a team that specifically talk with HMRC about uh, uh, arrears, time to pay arrangements. So it's, it's not just about the insolvent and solvent liquidations. We do try to support businesses through every stage of that life cycle. So it's organically grown. And I, when I've spoken to Andrew about this in the past, and I said, because if you were to meet him, he's just the most... He's the loveliest gentleman that you could meet. He's very unassuming. And I'm like, how have you built up the business? And he, he kind of just shrugs and kind of gives a, a little bit of a, a kind of a gentle smile. And he's like, I just took opportunities. Some of them have worked, some of them haven't. And one of the opportunities was when they were setting up the, the team that specifically talked with HMRC. Um, but essentially that came about, HMRC were introducing time to pay arrangements. They approached Leonard Curtis Andrew jokes and said that they thought we were much bigger than we were and said would you like to set up a team this is what we're thinking of so he said 
Go on then, yeah, and set up a team of one. And that team now has organically grown, and there's eight people now that specifically work in that team. Rick, who established that team, who was employed by Andrew and John, he's still with us. And although he's moved into a different position just recently, then that means that the continuity, so we've got very strong relationships with HMRC. So HMRC got in touch yeah. with Leonard Curtis? Yeah, to see whether we would do set up a team to prevent businesses going insolvent, which makes perfect sense. It, it, it does, which helps their kind of debt management Absolutely. Um, yeah. facilities, doesn't it? Yeah, completely. So, yeah, he's just spied opportunities, as Winnie said. Some worked, some didn't. And what made you two both want to go into insolvency and kind of area of work? Well, over to you, Donna. When I started insolvency, most people, I think my age, didn't think, oh, let's go into insolvency. You sort of, you sort of like fell into it, if you like. It was, I had a friend that worked in a small insolvency practice and, you know, she gave me a call and said, oh, would you come over? Because we used to work at the Royal Insurance in Liverpool together. Anyway, I went over, didn't understand any of it, but I thought, God, this is a bit odd, this type of work. And everything was done manually, you know, with the old-fashioned um, ledgers. So everyone had, uh, oh, God, it just took me forever um, because it, yeah, you had to do it in standalone bank accounts. And, and it was doing it all, you know, ins and outs. You two probably wouldn't know that. But, yeah. uh, they, they might still see uh, a couple of red books with, yeah. with those well, templates still that, around. That, that's what we all had to do. Um, and then gradually... I just started, I really thought it was interesting, so I gradually became, sort of, uh, got promotion through that way, because obviously I, I could put, we set up a new system, we went to IPS, and I set that up in our office, and, and then gradually to actually become the first female director of Leonard Curtis. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's how I, but I literally fell into it then, but I love it now. And Joe, how did you? Well, my background's hospitality. So, of course, COVID came along and I wasn't so sure that I would have a job to go back to. So, yeah, I was a little bit fearful. We've all got bills to pay. So I thought, well, I'd met Donna at a networking event. We got talking to one another. I didn't really understand a word that she was saying. And that's not because she's a Liverpoolian. But the world of insolvency, thankfully, hadn't come across my path. Um, but, of course... The doors closed in hotel world during COVID, and I thought, well, Donna keeps talking about obviously the new office, so I thought, well, I'll just reach out and see if there's any jobs going. So we did, and there was, and yeah, kind of fell into it by chance. But again, to me, coming from a hospitality background, it is all about teamwork, and it's only I can go out and spread the word of Leonard Curtis, but if you fall foul at the first hurdle, and actually the person that I've asked to get in contact doesn't then that's my promise kind of shattered. So fortunately, we work very well as a team, as we do with the wider group. So, yeah. Yeah, with, with the, the, the world of insolvency, there is no kind of what I'd call subscription fee, is there? No. It's, yeah. There's only kind of one job. Once that's done, yeah. you might never hear back from, from that client again. Yeah. It's not the client, it's the accountant. Yeah. We tend to work, obviously, the account. This is why we like to develop relationships with accountants, because you will be the trusted advisor so ultimately, if you've got a client that you think that actually is in any form of distress, then ultimately, hopefully you can think, actually, I've met those two girls or ladies <laughs> from Leonard Curtis. Um, 
I'll put them in touch. And then we have a saying within Leonard Curtis, and it's kind of it's talked about internally, but not necessarily externally. But it's a, you're only as good as your last job. So make sure that you do the right thing by that client, and then ultimately that client will give good feedback through to the accountant. The accountant then hopefully will then entrust us with another client, should any business need our, our advice. Um, and we have a lot of conversations, certainly Donna does, a lot of conversations that don't actually turn into work. But it's about doing the right thing by that client. And they remember that because ultimately it doesn't have to be about a job. As you will do, people will phone and ask for advice. And actually that five minute piece of advice could turn around into a 50 grand job somewhere down the line. So, yeah. Well, businesses are all very, very similar really. It's about making sure that the team are looked after and then they will actually look after the clients. The clients get good service, the clients give good feedback, word travels, so yeah. Why don't you give us a rundown on what insolvency is for our audience? Uh, it's not all bad, is it? Well, no, it's not all bad. I mean, a lot of the insolvencies that we do, you know, no one wants to open up a business and become a director and, you know, a tad along the line think, oh, you know, everything's, you know, my bank is, you know, going over my overdraft and, you know, the usual thing with the orders are going down, there's, you know, and they're being put on stop. Um, so at, at that point, you know, there could be some help, we could have a time to pay, you know, don't worry about it. You, if you really, you know, put everything down to it and look at it and analyse it, it's just the revenue. We put you through to the revenue and see if we can get you a time to pay. That's not a bad thing. Um, or you might want refinancing. We've got our own brokerage there uh, that can refinance. So it's not always a bad thing. Sometimes there's a bad debt. You know, people are waiting for that, you know, big, you know, unveiled yeah. X amount. And when they think they've lost everything and they, they, they don't really want to go and see insolvency practitioners. And we see a lot of people, we see a lot of people that just sit there and cry a lot of the time. I was over in Warrington and... They just think that they feel like a complete disaster, you know, you know, it's all there, but it never is. So when you sit down and you talk about it, by the time they leave the boardroom, they just always say, I feel so much better now. I feel so much better that we've offloaded, they've offloaded. And they say, you know, after two weeks, you'll be, you know, you'll be able to set up another business or go and work with somebody else. And, you know, it just takes off that pressure. You, you, you know, you don't realise how pressurised owing money it could be the good insolvencies are yeah so obviously we've spoke before about members voluntary liquidations which is classified as an MVL but that's naturally tends to be when a business owner has decided that that's it they've kind of they've, they've put in all the hard work they've got their pot of gold now and so a members voluntary liquidation is ultimately when they can close that company down in the most tax efficient way possible through for them um, and then they come out obviously with their pot of gold and go off and buy their boat or whatever they choose to do with their their money after their hard graft so yeah that it doesn't always have to be a negative and as Donna said sometimes with the insolvent liquidations the relief and it's circumstances beyond that business's control that that's impacted we all have spoken about covid but also brexit obviously massive cost of living crisis all of these are uncontrollable features of a business so it's it's no fault of the director on occasion that sometimes that businesses can go wrong they can fail 
some business owners go in and I'm, I'm quite why anybody would go into business I really don't know but I get it they're passionate about what they're doing and then ultimately if they hit on a little gem the business actually can like go from zero to a hundred miles an hour overnight and that business owner just is kind of trying to hold on to the reins to take some form of control and sometimes they just it, it goes beyond their control so yeah it's it's an interesting area of work to be in it is Donna I was speaking to yesterday they made blinds you know the vertical blinds over in Liverpool they're not all from Liverpool we do a lot of uh, jobs in Chester and North Wales but these ones pull on your heartstrings sometimes so he was a sole trader this guy was self-employed he's done this company years and years ago self-employed unfortunately the director died so his wife had to come on board and start to run the business and then they became a limited company they get they gave their sons five percent each and you know they thought it was going to be great but of course it's you know the cost of living now is you can keep going on that you can get the cheapest chips on tinternet and and people go, I mean, not only, you know, with all the um, topics that Joe said, it's people's trends change as well. People are going after um, window shutters now. You know, those ones that you see in the windows. Yeah, we've just had a couple of recently, actually. Well, yeah, so they're all going after them. And, you know, going on the internet, it's the cheapest ships you can get me somewhere else. And these people just couldn't cut costs. So one of the sons buggered off to um, Bahrain. He's gone to Bahrain. But he took over with what he's got is a ODL, Overdraw Director's Loan Account, which is nearly 10,000. So you got left with the, his mother, who's a pensioner, his other brother, he, you know, he'd left a while ago. So you know, what we're going to try and do is reassure her that she's 78. She's not going to be strong for her son's Overdrawn Director's Loan Account. So we get right into it. So straight away, she wouldn't want to come and see us because that's one of the examples I'm trying to say to you. It looks bad, but it's yeah. never that bad if you break it down. How can we pass on if she's just getting a state pension? You know, so it's always, people always worry about money, but I've, I've said this at the last meeting that we had, it's always fixable. You know, we can help. It's not always as bad as what it is. So that, they're the ones that we're looking at. So it's fads, people going for something else. People go on Tinternet. I mean, bet you can go on the Tinternet and I bet you can get some vertical blinds, probably cheaper yeah. than what this company is that's manufacturing them. So it's yeah. just sort of, it's different trends that affect insolvency as well. Are some of them conversations quite difficult to have with clients then? The most difficult conversations I have is, I think it's more difficult for them, to be honest. Yeah. As I always say, you know, meet me halfway. You know, when you've got kids, meet me halfway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't I be looking stupid when I go to that school after you've got me in. <laughs> Um, so I say meet me halfway, and I mean by meeting halfway is, did you get the bounce back loan? You know, if you got it fifty thousand, was it two hundred and fifty thousand? What did you do with the money? You know, the amount of people with turkey teeth in Liverpool and nice extensions yeah. and lovely bathrooms, top of the range over there. You know, it's classed as money that's owed to the business. Yeah. So I always want to be. I mean, Joe say this to a blue in the lips that you know you've got to be totally honest with us. Because we like to be transparent back again. So you could say, Reese, you know, well, I know I got the 50,000. I did have the 250,000, you know. And I did buy materials. I paid for the prime costs. Yeah. But I've got to say, do you like me, girl? Yeah. 
So at least we know then, and then we'll say, right, okay, that that car was ten grand. You know, let's just think about, you know, so where do you live? Well, I live with my mum and dad. You know, have you got a mortgage? No. So you got to look, go through and go back. So in a sense, is there an awkward conversation? Those conversations can be very awkward, but we always we wouldn't want to move on until we know that you know exactly what may or may not happen. Yeah. To be honest, if you live with your mum and dad, no, ten thousand, we'd say that the cost of a liquidation is X amount. So really, so um, but they're the most difficult conversations. But then we get over them and then we move on. It's transparency. You could get Bob down the road. We hate Bob, don't we? Don't we just say Bob? We hate Bob. Bob says, go on, tinternets. You know, we do them X amount. But, you know, I was always told if it's something's too good to be true, it generally is. We can get you on something else. We're not the cheapest in the market. No. But we're not the most expensive. But what I would say is that if you are a client, you can walk into any one of our offices around the UK and you can sit there and basically you can talk through as many times as you want to. So if you if you need to do that and you want to sit face to face, you absolutely can too. There are companies that do what we do and they're faceless. They are literally a website that sit there and they go for volume and ultimately that's how they're generating their, their money and their business. But what they also do, and this is what Donna talks about, is the fact of that they are looking for that that corporate insolvency where the director is given a personal guarantee. So once that personal guarantee is given, then that company will then go after them personally for that money and they go after them hard and fast. And this is why we always like to develop the relationship with the accountants because we are very open. We will have those conversations with the clients beforehand to say these are the type of questions we are going to ask. So make sure that obviously you are giving us the truth. When Jo says personal guarantee, she does mean that DLA as well, money that's owed to the business and then personally, that's mm. what we yeah. yeah. Yeah, when they're taking too much money, then, yeah. then what's left in the business? Or illegal dividends as well, because you go back, you know, you can go back, we, when we do our um, report to creditors, we always do a comparable, you know, with the accounts and it's part of the story for when they set up in 2020, turnover was X amount, you know, a million generating profits off. And then it's a comparable where you go along, you know, the years. So it goes back. So when you're looking at the, um, yeah, yeah, we have a long day. When you go back <laughs> onto the account, it could be, you can actually go out for illegal dividends. So we've got to check that as well. Because if you didn't take that money, you wouldn't be insolvent now. If you wouldn't have borrowed the money you made your deal. That's why it's, it's a very, very tricky um, subject is the overdrawn director's loan account. Because if you owe it 50,000, you owe it 25. And the deficiency is only forty-five. Well, you wouldn't be insolvent if you don't pay that. If you didn't pay that back, you pay that back, and you're back to be insolvent. And then it's if you do take a legal dividend, that gets looked at as well by the insolvency um, services. So, you know, there's a pattern. You might see an accountant still go, and you can't make them look stupid because you know you've already got them like the last three years account. So. Mm. Don't put yourself in the spotlight, you know, be honest. You can't just change it from a pattern, can you? It goes down gradually most of the time. You know, but back to a, a mem Sorry. member's voluntary liquidation. Yeah. We recently had a, a, a good demo on your uh, MyMVL. Oh, yes. Why don't you let our yeah, audience know a bit more of that? Um, this came about when the IR35 ruling came in place. So MyMVL stands for 
my member's voluntary liquidation, which is the solvent liquidation, which we've previously discussed. So this piece of software is exclusively for Leonard Curtis. It was designed by us. It was actioned by our IT team. And it simply is a piece of software which allows you, the accountant, to take control of the initial stages of that MBL. So it's simply like adding data into any application form. Uh, and then ultimately, once you've gone through the screens, you press green for go and it works perfectly for um, contractor clients. So those that are have got their pot of cash, um, so maybe an IT contractor that earns a good salary um, doing what they do, um, but they might be going back into full-time work. So that case, then they would end up with their what I class as their pot of gold and it can take uh, up to a thousand, uh, sorry, a million pounds with an, uh, this particular piece of software. And it allows it to be very tax efficient again, but also an inexpensive way to do an MBL. Um, so we charge two and a half thousand pounds for that, including the disbursements plus VAT, which then we will recoup for the client. It's a bit different than a manual MBL because it only really is allowed for cash. Uh, what we class as a cash shell, so no no assets within that business. So that's why it's perfect for those contractor clients. So yeah, it's a it's a nifty bit of kit, and we do have accountants that use it. Personal best because it usually takes about forty five minutes to put the information in. There's an accountant in Manchester that he reckons his personal best is twenty two minutes. <laughs> process an MBL. He must have done it a few times. He does, he works with a lot of contractor clients, so yeah, his personal best. But yeah, it, it works really well, um, and it means that you take control of it, and it works perfectly for those clients that um, have got just that cash shell, and are computer literate, because it fires everything out automatically into their inbox, and they docu-sign it, and then it whizzes back through to us, and then we take control over it in the background. So yeah, it's a, it's a good piece of kit. For anybody that wants to use my MVL, yeah. Joanne and Donna are your go-to to get you set up. Yeah, yeah. There must are. have been some good success stories over the years when you rescued uh, rescued some businesses. Yeah. I saw you, I think, the day before about a bakery that, that was recently rescued by Leonard Curtis. Well, we've just had, we've had a, a bit of a success actually. One that uh, our um, debt advisory team got involved with. So it's a time to pay. So this particular business was an engineering business. Um, and it was, they owed HMRC £2.2 million, which I wouldn't be able to breathe, let alone sleep. But it's this combination of everything that could possibly go wrong for this business. First of all, Brexit hit, so they export a lot of what they produce. So, of course, that was a, a massive kick, really, for them. Then, raw material costs. We all heard about, obviously, the container issue with the Suez Canal going on, so that hit them. Energy, they're very high energy intensive. Staff, that's very, very specialist in what they do. So they can't find anybody to come and do what they do. It's not the most, I suppose, interesting of jobs or unless you're into that kind of thing. So everything that could possibly hit this company. And of course, all they've been trying to do is to survive. So they pay the staff, they pay the suppliers. They pay the staff, they pay the suppliers. And they've basically just ignored HMRC. So that job was referred into another of our offices, actually. Um, the di director had a conversation with the business owners and, and the accountant at the time and said, well, before we go and look at this as an insolvency, let's see if we can arrange a time to pay. 
um, and the meeting was taking place and the business owner went, you can try, we've tried, they're making an example of us, it's 2.2 million. And the accountant concurred and said, absolutely, we've tried, um, they're, not, they're not listening. So Joe, who heads up the team, he uh, was passed over the chalice to try and get this uh, time to pay arrangement. Um, we spoke with HMRC, it was a stern no, so then we went across and we spoke to some of the contacts that we actually knew uh, through the 22 years that we built up the reputation, still a no, we put business propositions in because it was a, it was a strong business, they'd got a really good strong order book, they'd got strong forecasts, the orders were there because they're very specialist, but because they'd built up this debt, they were going to make wind them up, so ultimately... It took Joe a week speaking with various different people uh, throughout HMRC and in the end we actually we got quite high up the tree um, within HMRC and we managed to find somebody that was prepared to put a quarter of a million pounds into the business uh, as a finance option. So we went back to HMRC and said basically this is our offer, we've got a quarter of a million pounds here ready to go, you've got that. So if, even if you don't agree to this or they default on the first hurdle, then you've still got a quarter of a million pounds, which you wouldn't have had if you go down the, the widen up route. So it was still going to be a no. So then Joe decided to go above that person's head and went and spoke to somebody above and said, it's not commercially viable. You're going to put 36 people out of work. It's not in a particularly high employment area. It's very specialist what you do. We've got a strong order book. So in the end, it was agreed that they would take a time to pay and over a three-year period. So to us, that's a massive success in the fact of that those 36 people remain in a job. HMRC will get a proportion, if not all, of the 2.2 million that they're owed. The business will continue. Those people will pay their taxes. The business will continue to pay the taxes. And touch wood, up to date then, yeah, they're on the straight and narrow. And now we do a lot of hand-holding with that business because, it's, again, it's our reputation with HMRC. So to us, that is a massive success story. We could have taken it down the insolvency route and we could have earned a lot more, but it's about doing the right thing by the client. So, yeah, that's kind of our, our success story, really. One of them, yeah. yeah. We have job money, but that's one of our most recent ones. And yeah. a hefty yeah. chunk of money that obviously is going to back into the rishi pot of tax. It's a great success story. Yeah. It is, yeah. 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 Kind of shows like your client care side as well. Because you didn't choose like the easy option if you went to yeah. different people to yeah. try and get the best outcome for the client. Completely. Yeah. And hopefully that will stand us in good stead yeah. in the fact of that mm. and those are the kind of stories that you don't hear in the news. Those are not yeah. kind of like you only hear the bad stories of kind of like people losing their jobs, but that yeah. towards those thirty six people remain in employment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great way to end this podcast. <laughs> Thank yeah, you yeah. to both of you for coming on. Well, no, that was great. Thank you for inviting us yeah, and yeah. Taking coming on. Yeah. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that chat with Leonard Curtis. Before we let you go, we thought we'd share some accounting tips we like to use here at Williams Denton. Our first tip is to do with Excel. And here in Williams Denton, we use two screens quite often. So it's quite handy to open the same spreadsheet on two screens. So to do this, you go to view and open a new window. And this allows you to see the same spreadsheet on two screens to compare figures without having to go backwards and forwards between tabs. The next tip we have is from Zero, 
where the plus icon at the top right of the dashboard allows you to create a new invoice, bill, a transfer money or receive money. This saves you opening multiple links. So if you wanted to create an invoice, you don't have to click business, then invoice. You can just click the, the plus sign on the top right and then invoice and it takes you straight to a new invoice. Thanks for listening to Account Honours. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to stay updated and be part of our community, be sure to subscribe and follow us on your favourite podcast platform. And if you have any feedback or suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for being one of our first listeners. Goodbye.